You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Hello, Grace Community Church. Today and Thursday, I will be given application for the sermon that was preached this past Sunday from John 15, verses 1 through 17. Now, in some ways, I would rather have done this over two weeks on Sunday morning, but God knew exactly where we would be at this time in 2020. So he has given us opportunity to visit and revisit a text uh, and a process in this passage that is vital to a believer's walk in this world. This is a world that is at best uncomfortable with Jesus and his followers. The metaphor of the vine and the branches that Jesus shared with his disciples is important for us understanding our relationship with the Lord. <clears throat> if you do not have your Bible open to John 15, let me encourage you to do so now. And in fact, it may be best for you to read John 15 verses 1 through 17 before going further in this uh, application, time of application. I would even go so far as to say, if you have not heard the sermon or read the sermon, the, the manuscript is available on our website. If you have not heard or read the sermon, then I would encourage you to, to do so once again before you get into the application. So read the text right now or and on Thursday, read it again just before you listen to these points of application. I'm going to do five points of application today and then five points on Thursday. Without understanding this text, in the greater context of John's gospel and, and even the greater context of the entire Bible, you may wonder where some of this application is rooted. But if you hear the sermon, it'll all make sense. And hopefully we'll take the next step in not only understanding but applying this text to our lives. The first point of application from our text is this. Preaching the gospel to yourself every day is the only way to abide in Jesus. Since there are no slides, let me say that again. Preaching the gospel to yourself every day is the only way to abide in Jesus. Our default position for living, whether we be Christian or not, is the law or legalism. You have heard the expression, I imagine, that there is honor among thieves. That's true. We all have formed a set of regulations, a system, a law, if you will, that helps us to live comfortably in this world. Comparisons are a must for a law-minded or a law-driven mindset because nobody's perfect, right? No, I am not perfect, you say, but I'm a sight better person than my neighbor. This is how we make the law work for us. There is always someone worse than us. So maybe, just maybe, we're okay. The gospel forces me to focus in one place. 
my relationship with God, my relationship to be more precise with Jesus. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The gospel reminds me that I'm a sinner and the goodness that is in my life is not up to me. It's what Jesus has done for me. A lot of people get this mixed up. I must do this for God. But really, the gospel is about what Jesus has done for me. If I believe that salvation is exclusively in Jesus, then I did nothing for my salvation except believe. Ah, you might say, yes, justification is God's work in my life based on the work of Jesus. But sanctification is a partnership. I do my part and God does his part. And truth be told, what we really mean is he does the saving, I do the living. He does the saving, I do the good works. But good works are just as much about his work in my life as salvation is. So if you think, I do my part, God does his part, you're, you're getting in the right direction, but very early on this trip, it's easy to veer off onto the wrong road. And believe me, if you get off on the wrong road here, you're going to be traveling a long way in the wrong direction. Before Jesus, before we knew Jesus, before Jesus saved us, we were controlled only by the old man or Adam who lives in all of us. When we were adopted into God's family, again, through Jesus, from that time and forevermore, Christ lives in us. And he enables us not to sin. We can please him because the Spirit of Christ lives inside us and enables us not to sin. We are united with Jesus. Believers who embrace the gospel though, come to find out quickly that we are going to sin until the day that we die. But the one who lives inside of us forgives us whenever we confess our sins. It's like Jesus washing the disciples' feet and um, Peter saying, oh, no, 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 you're not going to wash me. But, but Jesus said, you have to be clean in order to be connected with me. But your feet get dirty and they need to be washed every day. So how is it that we're going to die to ourselves when we do not feel like even the Holy Spirit can give us victory over sin? We struggle with the same things over and over and over. How can we have hope that Jesus will enable us to, to, to overcome sin? It's not that it's his fault. It's not the Holy Spirit's fault that I can't live righteously. So how can I hope to live righteously? By faith. That's the point. Second point of our application. Faith is required at every stage of the believer's life. Faith is required at every stage of the believer's life. We know this, right? 
2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, it doesn't always look like we think it's going to look, but we walk by faith. Why then, if it's faith in Jesus, why does it feel like so much is up to me? Why is it that I feel like the Christian life is all about my obedience and the success that comes from my obedience? Well, it could be that the freedom and affluence that we have experienced and enjoyed for many years in our land have conditioned us to think that whatever happens to us, good or bad, is based on our hard work and lack thereof and our perseverance. Deep down, we know better, and there are times when life does not reward our efforts, but these days are next level. Freedom is restricted, and we can watch our affluence slipping away. It's almost like it's running down the drain as fast as it can go, and you know it's a bad day when the statement for your retirement account and the water bill arrive on the same day. No, wait! That's really a good day. It is a good day if it increases your dependence on the Lord. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, As you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. How did we receive Jesus? We are to walk in the same manner that we received Jesus. How did we receive Jesus? By faith. How are we to walk in him? By faith. This begins to get at what it means to abide in Christ. Let your roots go deep into the soil of Scripture so that you will be established in the faith or in the Christian teaching and doctrine. This extended time at home may give you opportunities to go deeper into the Word and, and, and the doctrine about God and about Jesus and the Holy Spirit than you've ever gone before. And if you want to understand Jesus' work on the cross a little bit better, may I recommend to you The Cross of Christ by John Stott. It is a classic on telling us everything that is meant by Jesus dying on the cross. Perhaps you would like to understand more about the Holy Spirit, then read Michael Horton's book. He's one of my favorites. Michael Horton's book on rediscovering the Holy Spirit. Um, this is an excellent work that Neil Manning has raved about for some time. I've read, I've, or I'm in the process of reading. I enjoy it a great deal. But if you want to get a bigger picture, or the big picture of Scripture, read a systematic theology. And here's one. You can see this is a honking big book. And it might be more of a reference for you than it is a Saturday afternoon read. It's going to take many Saturday afternoons to read this puppy. But John Frame's Systematic Theology, an Introduction to Christian Belief, is an excellent choice. So big picture, John Frame.
Do you see what I did there? Some things, not even a crisis, can change, I suppose. All these books will challenge you, but they will drive your roots deeper into the faith or the Christian faith, which will inevitably bring you into a deeper relationship with the Lord and a greater understanding of who God is and who Jesus is. It will also, when your understanding of Scripture grows, you will walk much more by faith than you did before. And that's important because faith is required, as this point tells us, at every stage of the believer's life. And that's important because of the third point of application. Fruit is expected and produced at every stage of the believer's life. Believe it. That's what believers do, right? We believe. It is natural for branches attached to the vine to bear fruit. God is so serious about this that when a branch does not produce fruit, it is taken away and burned. No poser branches allowed. That is why the Christian life is an all-or-nothing proposition. Now, look, it may take you a bit to get your head around this. I, I had a good friend who was a much older gentleman named John Gamble. I love this man, and I think I've told you before, he's the only person I think I have ever heard who would read Scripture, and he knew it so well that I would think, oh, well, that's what that verse means. A great man uh, John Gamble was. And he said, I wish someone would ask me, do I have to give up chewing bubblegum for uh, salvation in order to be saved? And I would say, yes, you do, because if bubblegum is keeping you from Jesus, then you have to give it up. Look, this man was anything but legalistic, but you, I think you get his point, don't you? I mean, you can't come to Jesus and say, Lord, it, it's cool that you died for me, and, and I, I, I want to live for you, but I've got to live in this world too, so you're not going to expect me to do anything extreme, right? You, you understand my position, right? Uh, yes, he will expect you to follow him completely if one says, Jesus said, if, if someone says, um, Lord, I will follow you anywhere, but let me just go home until my parents, they said, nope. Uh, Lord, I will follow you, but I, I, I'll get around. Nope. If you put your hand to the plow and you turn back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, listen, this text is telling us that we cannot do this life in our own strength. It is up to the Lord. I just want you to understand this. When we come to Jesus, it's an all or nothing proposition and we will fail time and again. But nonetheless, the Lord calls us to follow him with all of our hearts. Does this mean we will gradually be better until the day that we're perfect? 
No. And we need to be careful not to be derailed by comparisons in the opposite direction from what we were talking about earlier. Instead of feeling superior to to others, like a legalistic approach to the Christian life will cause us to be, we can just as easily feel inferior to others when we compare ourselves with believers who are more mature than we are in certain areas. And we can question the, the meager, the validity of the meager basket of fruit that we have to offer. First of all, it's not your basket. Well, Okay, it's your basket, but the Holy Spirit is producing the fruit in conjunction with your union with Christ. So what spiritual gift has the Holy Spirit given you? Two things are certain. One, God has designed for, a, for you to have a perfect role in the body of Christ. And two, your gift is intended to bless others. It's not meant to build you up. You will feel closer to God, but that's not the purpose of the gift. The purpose of the gift is to bless others. If you are praying, maybe you say, I can't do what I used to. But if you are praying for the body, you are blessing Grace Community Church and you're bearing fruit. As, as a branch in the vine. If you are serving when no one sees or knows, God sees and knows. If you're helping Keisha in children's ministry or Jeff, Jeff in student ministry, you are bearing fruit. Good, my goodness, if you are patient with your family, when you have every right, at least in the way that we see things, you have every right not to be patient, then you are bearing fruit fruit. What kind of spiritual fruit is expected in the believer's life? You'll need to go back to the sermon and see all the ways that God produces fruit in our lives. Instead of asking, what is expected of me so that I can be who I ought to be? When we preach the gospel to ourselves every day, our focus focus will slowly turn toward in what ways has God designed to bless him and others with the fruit that he is producing, producing through me. Fourth, faith is increased by time and the word and in prayer. Faith is increased by time in the Word and in prayer. You need faith, right? Almost everyone believes that, even those who consistently elevate science above every other way of knowing about anything about everything. Science is meant to be used as a tool, a tool but not necessarily as a sledgehammer. As often as not, when people speak about faith, they attach no object to their faith, only a mystical sense that everything, somehow everything is going to work for good. It's more faith of a general idea of a God who might exist out there, or it is faith in faith itself. I just know 
that everything will be okay. You have to have faith, right? But what happens when everything is not okay? What happens when everything does not work for the good of the individual or the good of the community? If you are attached to the vine, your dependence must be on the source of your life, Jesus, and we find him in his word. It is not based, your faith is not based on a general sense that you will be able to weather the storm that is forecast for tomorrow or the storms or the squalls that, that suddenly appear out of nowhere. Our faith is an objective faith. A scientist who does not believe in God, and many scientists do believe in God. In fact, many scientists have come to faith because they said there's no way this world can exist without a creator. There is some design, and the Lord brings them to faith in Jesus. So a scientist who doesn't believe in God, though, would laugh and say, when we say, my relationship is with the creator of the universe, he is not only my creator, he is my redeemer and king, and I live to do his good pleasure. Romans 10, 17, referenced earlier in the message, says, Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now that verse needs a lot of explanation, and its primary application is in the context of evangelism. But it is true that as we sit at the feet of Jesus, like Mary of Bethany did, our faith will increase. Since we have already established that the word of Christ is the word about Christ or the gospel, we see the benefits of preaching the gospel to ourselves every day. As we spend time in the word and our prayer is informed by scripture, then we will begin to see the benefits of our next point of application, which will be our last point for today. The more time we spend in the Word, the more we will look like Jesus. Does that seem counterintuitive? Because we're so much about doing and then resting, but Scripture is just the opposite. It's about resting and then it's about doing. That's an point of application we'll cover on Thursday. So let me say it again. The more time we spend in the Word, the more we will look like Jesus. When I say, I want to be like Jesus, my temptation to think that I must every, or my temptation is to think that I must do everything that Jesus did so that I will be the person I should be. God's Word, though, leads us in the other direction. Only when I abide in Jesus and his word abides in me will I function according to design. I will become, as I spend time in the word, I will become who he has made me to be and I will then bear the fruit that he has granted me to yield. We'll close this uh, session with a word of explanation about how the design works. 
Since we, again, don't have slides for this application, turn over to 2 Corinthians 3. In this chapter, the Apostle Paul makes a compelling argument for the superiority of the new covenant over the old covenant, of grace over law. Jesus is better than Moses because grace is better than law. We learned this, though, did we not, in the prologue to John's gospel in John 1.17. There is nothing wrong with the law, but we are incapable of keeping it. And when we fail to keep it, the law condemns. So there must be a remedy or we will perish. But not only does Jesus heal, he produces amazing, and I do mean amazing, fruit in and through us. 2 Corinthians 3.18, at the end of Paul's comments about the new covenant says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory. From this or for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I, I like the New American Standard translation of this verse the best, and not just because it fits with what I wanted to say, but because I think it's better in the Greek. I think it's better also in the application, the way it connects with other scriptures. And it says this, We all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, and we are being transformed into the same image. So you get the point. I look in a mirror and I see what is really happening in all of this. I can kid myself about what I think this looks like, but when I look in a mirror, I see the reality James 1, 22 to 25 speaks of the perfect law of liberty. And it talks about looking into the mirror of God's word. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul is saying that as we gaze into the word, as we marinate, as we dwell and abide in the word, we are gradually changed into the image that that we see and that becomes clearer in our hearts and minds. And we're changed from one degree of glory to another. What is it that we behold? Really, the question is, who do we behold? And you know the answer. It's always the right answer, right? Jesus! Our identity is already in Christ. But as we spend time in the Word, our lives are subsumed into Jesus. And we will begin to look like the one that we behold. And this sounds a whole lot like the vine and the branches metaphor in John 15. And you've noticed, I am sure, how the longer couples live together, the more they begin to look like one another. I'm going to tell you something right now. 
If Allison Talley starts to grow a beard, I'm going to shave, okay? I promise you, so don't worry about that. No, her sad news is, is that she's become more like me. My good news is, is that I look more like her. And I do hope that the couples of grace come out of this time because you are getting a lot more time together. I hope you come out of this time more with a smile on your face than, than a scowl. Do allow the fruit of the Spirit to be your reality in this time of isolation. And I know some of you are about to go stir crazy. But as you spend time in the Word, time that you're, and a rest in your heart that you're rarely afforded, you're going to look more and more like Jesus. So you see how this works with 2 Corinthians 3.18, right? The more time you spend in the Word, the more you will look like Jesus. Warren Wearsby had this wonderful commentary on 2 Corinthians 3.18. I cannot, most of you don't know that name, Warren Wearsby. When I was a young believer in my days at Tennessee Temple, which tended to be legalistic, Warren Wearsby was like a breath of fresh air when he would come and speak to us. And my, much of my understanding of the gospel and my maturity in Christ comes from the ministry of that man. Uh, here's what Wearsby said about 2 Corinthians 3.18. I, I won't forget this. I didn't have to look it up. I, I, I just remember. When the child of God gazes, I think he said looks, but I'm going to say gazes into the Word of God, the Spirit of God transforms him into the image of the Son of God for the glory of God. Yes! That's it, isn't it? When the child of God gazes into the Word of God, the Spirit of God transforms her into the image of the Son of God. And it's all for the glory of God. Isn't that our desire? Our hearts to glorify Him. When we think about glorifying God, we tend to think about what can I do? Just think about who can I be? I need to be a branch that is so committed to the life transforming flow from Jesus into me that I produce the fruit that he desires. Well, this is a good place to stop. Five more points of application, and honestly, it could have been 50 more points of application from this amazing text, John 15, 1 through 17. Let's close in prayer. Father, you are the vine, or Jesus, you are the vine, we are the branches. Father, this is a beautiful plan for us, and we pray that our minds would come to see more importantly for those we bless, for this is how you designed it 
And we are never happier, never more fulfilled than when we live according to design. So increase our faith and make us more like Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. God bless. See you on Thursday. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.